it's almost time for her to progress again. So it's, it's crazy. Something that might seem very drastic in the beginning becomes very easy to accomplish with the proper training. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Big Green Couch. We're back with Live Well Fitness. Get comfy with us. Get on the couch. And we have today a very special guest. Her name is Lauren. And Lauren is an assistant program manager and a health fitness specialist at one of our locations here. Lauren, welcome. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. Oh, absolutely. And of course, we have our same hosts here today, as always. You guys think I was going to skip our own introduction? <laughs> Thanks for the intro. Jake, don't worry, I'll intro you. Jake and Raven here. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> and it's me, Brooke. <laughs> Back again. <laughs> All right, so today, enough of this nonsense. Let's get to the topics. <laughs> today, we thought we could talk about some strength training, specifically in hypertrophy. So we brought Lauren on. Uh, this is one topic that I think really any of our specialists could talk about since we all really do a lot with strength training, especially with clients. We brought Lauren on because she we thought she would have some really great insights into this. So Lauren, I guess to kick it off, can you just kind of explain to our listeners what is hypertrophy? Just go and do some basics here. Yeah, sure thing. So hypertrophy, it refers to the size of your muscles, right? The growth in your muscle cells. Um, so, you know, it's, it's achieved through exercise, but more specifically through resistance-based training, so pushing weights. Um, and then also through, you know, progressively loading the muscle. Um, and what's actually happening is you're having these very small micro tears that actually occur in the muscle, which is a good thing because your body has to adapt and um, get stronger, rebuild that muscle bigger and stronger. Um, so there's definitely um, a lot of debate out there in the fitness industry to what the best protocol is uh, with hypertrophy. Um, so we can definitely, you know, discuss that as well. Um, also there's a debate on whether it's even achievable, uh, doing it from home. So, you know, some tips we can provide there for sure. Um, but I guess the biggest thing is how, how to do it, right? How can I, you know, get stronger muscles? How can I build size? So hy hypertrophy really more refers to the size of the muscle. Um, and it's, the size of the cells inside the muscle that we're trying to grow. Does that answer your question? Like, Yeah, I, I think you hit it on the head there. And uh, again, another like little fun fact from Jake over here. Uh, there's actually two different types of hypertrophy. So again, people mm -hmm. hear hypertrophy, just basically think of your muscles growing or getting bigger, adding lean body mass to certain muscle groups. But there is sarcoplasmic hypertrophy and myofibular hypertrophy. And uh, they can both be achieved in different ways. And there's a lot of debate about that, how you get more one than the other. And it's, it seems like it's been a constant debate forever. Uh, if it's possible, like you said, or if there's better practices to do. And it's one of the things that got me really interested when I 
started out in my degree with exercise science. I thought it was super interesting. Like, oh, there's a more uh, efficient way to train to get bigger biceps. Like, no way. Like, <laughs> it's kind of stupid to think about. But um, yeah, it was something that really sparked an interest. And in. I dove uh, deep into the research for it, like way back then. And I still do now. But uh, I think that it's a really cool topic to talk about because I think everyone wants to add a little bit of muscle somewhere, even if it's not a whole lot. They they like this kind of word tone and you want to add some muscle tone to some sort of body part. And I think it's important to do it the proper way, too. Yeah, that's perfect. (laughs) And I think, too, it's... um you can also bring into the fact that it's also, you know, the type of training that you, you do, right. Uh, uh, whether plyometrics has, you know, power has anything to do, um, with muscle growth. Um, and then also just, um, whether you incorporate, um, periodization, that periodization, you know, it's something I think maybe some people don't really know a ton about and can be really efficient, um, when they're trying to grow in size to actually track, um, the progression, right? If you're lifting the same thing over and over day in, day out, I mean, you're not really changing the stimulus, right? You're not really, um, getting those, you're not getting your muscle to kind of respond and make changes, make adaptations. So, um, that's the biggest thing is whether you're increasing volume and more sets or you're increasing more weight. So I think it's just kind of something that, you know, people just need a little bit, need more education in and need to learn a little bit more on how it works. Yeah, I think you guys are both right. And Jake, you kind of skimmed over a quick topic here, which I'd like to go back to, but you mentioned two different types of hypertrophy. Can you just give us a quick overview of the difference between the two that you mentioned? Yeah, so uh, myofibular is, uh, it's it's still hypertrophy, but um, and kind of back to Lawrence Port, it's, it's the muscle cell in the muscle. So um, myofibular, uh, you don't get as many muscle cells in the muscle and uh, it creates a stronger uh, muscle. Like each cell is a little bit stronger where uh, sarcoplasmic is more uh, a massive growth, growth <laughs> of all the cells. And it's kind of thought as like the bodybuilding type of hypertrophy where you might see like a lot of bodybuilders don't do a lot of weight or like they'll just have a ton of volume. So they just do reps over and over again and they stick to that strict periodization, kind of like what Lauren said, where they follow different day splits and they slowly progress over a progressive overload and they grow their muscle groups that way. And when you look at it, like per pound of body weight, uh, they're not as strong as they look. But uh, it's still a, a adequate way to build muscle. And uh, again, like there's a whole debate if that's even the case for each type of differences between the two. But um, yeah, it's definitely something that I found really interesting. And uh, when you kind of think about it, it's, it's crazy because you, you don't really know what's happening inside your body. And you kind of go to the gym and you're not sure what you're really working so uh, it kind of goes back to Lauren's point. You got to have a plan. You got to kind of plan out and figure out what you want to work and how you want to uh, get stronger because that way you'll be able to 
get some type of muscle growth, but you'll also have very functional muscles. Yeah, and to piggyback off what you're saying with the two different types, the sarcoplasmic, it also refers to actually the glycogen storage. So it can actually fluctuate as well, depending on your diet as well. Um, and then also like when you're actually in the gym and working out and like, you know, when you get that pump, right? So sometimes, you know, people are like, I wish that was all the time, right? You can walk around with those pumped up muscles. So it also like kind of refers to the ability um, uh, for the muscles to increase in size to adapt even just to the training in short term. Yeah, absolutely. And you guys made a good point here. Today, we're specifically focusing on hypertrophy, but you can train for a lot of different things, right? We, we could train for strength, we could train for power, whatever it may be. But those aren't exclusive either. You know, you do you do training for hypertrophy. It's not as if you won't get stronger. It's just that that is not the exact goal that you're training for, right? And so I think it's important to mention that what we're going to talk about today, and there's so many details and there's so much science that goes into this. So we'll try not to get too... <laughs> too crazy with it. But it's important to note that, you know, we will get into those other topics and those other areas of training as well at a certain point on this podcast. But just for today, we're specifically talking about training to, you know, get that extra muscle, right? Um, And I think another important point, maybe we can kind of touch on this later, is that you know, we're talking about, okay, maybe your goal is to gain muscle size, right? But I think there's a lot of people out there where their goal is specifically not to gain muscle size. And so if you're listening to this with like, oh, I don't want to gain muscle, I'm not, I'm going to do the opposite of everything that they say. I would not recommend that (laughs) either, just because, you know, that there's so many different benefits to strength training and, um, you're, you're not necessarily going to be, you know, a ginormous bodybuilder. There's so much other things that go into it besides the training, right? And so um, if, if your goal is the opposite of what we're talking about today, it's, it's not a, you know, all or nothing sort of approach. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point, Brooke. Like, also, you have to remember that these people who, you know, are, are training and like competitions and things of that sort, the amount of time that they and load and that they spend on this is way more than the average person. So you do really have to take that into account as well. Mm-hmm. And I would like to point out, like, if we're talking about hypertrophy, uh, like an, an, a textbook example of how to get hypertrophy, they'll give you something like, all right, you're going to do 8 to 12 reps for 3 to 5 sets. And you're going to do this over and over again. Just because if you work out in the 8 to 12, 3 to 5 sets, doesn't mean all of a sudden overnight you're going to blow up and have all this muscle that you didn't have the day before. I I will argue (laughs) that a lot of times when we're trying to build hypertrophy, a lot of it is diet. And it's what we're putting into our body. So I, I can attribute, I've been trying to, work on hypertrophy a lot in the past. And I've gone through phases where I was on a strict hypertrophy plan. And it's extremely hard. And I'll say it's extremely hard 
because of the diet portion. And I know uh, I don't want to kind of hop into a gray area where we're not able to talk about, but for my own macronutrient goals, it was very hard to uh, reach what I was trying to do. And I had very little weight gain at all. And it wasn't because I wasn't training correctly. It was just because it's a big adaptation and it Mm -hmm. takes a lot of commitment and time to get these size results. So I think that's something important to point out. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with you, Jake. Um, I had a client myself and he, you know, he was pretty educated in like how to lift and he had a really excellent form. I just think his missing link was the nutrition. Um, He never really even heard about how to track macros or anything like that. But once I helped him, you know, calculate, you know, what is required to, you know, make these changes, um, he was really astonished with the amount of calories that he had to consume. But remember, you, you know, it's not just you just eat a ton. It's, it's very scientific about, you know, how, you know, what breakdown is kind of the best. I mean, and also it is person to person, right? Like you have to also mention that genes play a huge role into it. And unfortunately, we can't really choose our genes. So some people are really like lucky that, you know, they don't necessarily had to put as much time and effort and it just, you know, shows a little bit more um, on them, but doesn't say that with some hard work and some changes that you can't also make those changes. Just, yeah, you have to be patient. And it didn't, it took him about, you know, three months to actually notice a change, right? I think your body just like gets to a point where it realizes, okay, like I need to start adapting. This is becoming, you know, thing (laughs) so I think it yeah like you hit it right on Jake nutrition is is a huge uh portion of it and you you can't leave that out that is gonna be make make or break if you if you really want to see changes whether it's through fat loss or whether it's through mass gain right so good point Yeah, I wanted to bring back up something that Brooke said that I find a lot, especially I train a lot of women. And like there are people, especially women that have the fear of doing hypertrophy training and getting quote unquote bulky and instead wanting to tone, like Jake said, like buzzwords. So I don't know if you guys have obviously hypertrophy training and strength training in general is good for women. You know, it's good to do resistance training, you know, for your bones, for for just your overall health. But do you guys have any way that you kind of help clients to understand that or just any tips about that with women specifically? Yeah. Yeah, sure thing. Like the other thing too that we have to mention is, you know, women just don't have the same testosterone levels that men do, you know, like they, they have something like 70% more testosterone. And that is really one of the key ingredients as well to uh, increasing in mass. So that's why, yeah, all the ladies listening out there, you're not going to become Arnold. <laughs> like it's not going to happen unless you, you know, takes, you know, things to assist you that you just don't biologically have. Right. So, um, I just think it's really important to note that like for women, actually for when they do strength training, it's actually what creates curves, right? Like it's, it's really, like you said, it's the tone, right? So it's, um, it's important to shape the body, right? Recomposition the body, how you like it. It's more aesthetically pleasing to have muscles. You know, if you build your shoulders and you do have a little bit more muscle, 
then, you know, your waist is going to look a little bit smaller, right? So it's just, it's, it's really important to note that, yeah, it's, you're not going to build muscle the same women and men, um, as much as you can train the same and, you know, you'll still get really great physiological changes. It will be a little bit different men to women. Mm -hmm. And I would say too, uh, I like how you you have that whole visual effect. And uh, one thing that I'll kind of try and do with clients a lot of times is I'll show them the difference between what is five pounds of fat and what is five pounds of muscle. And it's it's an eye-opening difference because fat looks so much larger and uh, muscle looks so very lean. And if you take that five pounds of muscle and you spread it out, throughout your entire body, it's almost unnoticeable. So I think that's another important point to look out. Uh, and it's, it's the other piece that I always talk about with my clients is I'll, I'll write out a program for them in the beginning. And a lot of times we'll go through, uh, I'm, I'm trying not to be so technical, we'll go through like a little bit of a cognitive phase where they're learning these movements, there's body adaptations going on, where their their body's getting used to moving a certain way. And then we'll go through different training uh, types, either if we're training for strength, hypertrophy, power, endurance, whatever it may be. It's important to incorporate all of them over time because it's going to help protect the body and keep the body very healthy. So uh, that's another one of the pieces I kind of try and point out and be like, hey, uh, we kind of need a little bit more muscle. Uh, It's not going to be at all noticeable um, to the eye and it's just going to help keep us safe and our body overall healthy. So that's one of the things, how I bring it up. I like what you said too, Jake, about the weight. A lot of times you find your client will have very strict weight related goals on pounds, you know, and like you said, muscle and fat, the amount of space they take up is completely different. So basing your goals specifically on a number, like, you know, I want to be 140 pounds that causes a lot of, I think, like mental problems with your goal, because it's not like if you're doing the strength training, you might gain weight, but you might be leaner. Mm. So I think that's a really important point to note. Yeah, I think people get this idea, like I have a goal weight in my head. And then a lot of times you work with them for maybe months, a year on end, and they'll be at the same exact weight as they were before but their body will look completely different. They might be that much more lean effect. They're, they're so happy. They carry themselves with like a better energy, better posture, the whole nine yards. And they're like, wow, I can't even believe I'm like the same weight or like I'm even a pound heavier than when we started training, but I look completely different. So I would make sure when I'm working with clients, like if we're, we're going to try and track some things, we can do different measurements Uh, either if it's like a skin fold or just like hip and waist. And I always tell them to go off your wardrobe. Like, how are your pants fitting? How's your shirt fitting? Like, and that will be a better uh, cursor to kind of measure yourself. And it's also really hard for you, you to notice the differences on yourself because you see yourself every day. It's going to be the people that see you uh, not that often. And you'll be like, hey, you look great. And when you hear that, you should really take that in and hold that as motivation to keep on pushing along. 
Yeah, I couldn't agree more with you guys. It's it's definitely, like I just said, too, it's the recomposition of your body, right? So ditch that scale sometimes is, is going to be the best thing for you because you could get discouraged when there's no need because you're actually doing all the right things and, you know, it's it, it can get really in your head about it. So I would say, yeah. And then another good tip is uh, progress photos, you know, taking pictures of yourself, you know, from a front, a side and a back angle, same time, you know, every couple of weeks um, just to see your progress. And sometimes when you put those photos side by side, you then you really see the difference. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I tend to do with uh, some of my clients as well as I tend to say, take your own photos, you know, and then, and then look how far you've come when you look at the photos, right? Definitely. So that. when we're looking at getting these hypertrophy goals, so we, you know, we want to put on some sort of muscle size, build some sort of muscle size. I guess, where where do you guys start with this? I know there's a lot to it, but what sort of general recommendations can we give or how how can clients go about achieving these goals aside from probably the easiest and best way is working with one of our coaches right because as you can see there's a lot that goes into it especially if you have very specific goals but what can we give as sort of general recommendation i'll hop in there um (laughs) my my general recommendation is uh obviously consistency i think consistency is a huge factor and uh there's this little theory, and again, I'm so technical today. I'm sorry. It's called the supercompensation theory, and basically, it means that if you're working out with adequate rest time in between each workout, like Lauren said before, you're putting small tears in that muscle, and it's slowly going to recover, and you have a certain time period where you're at your optimal performance, and if you keep on a daily regimen uh, working different muscle groups, you're going to slowly build muscle over time. And uh, another thing is I would probably say uh, one of the best ways is compound movements. And when I say compound movements, I mean multi-joint movements. We're not just sitting here doing a bicep curl over and over again. Uh, it could be anything from like a bent over row to a deadlift to squat. So we have a lot of things working for us and we're being very productive for each movement and uh, each rep. So we're working multiple muscle groups in one exercise. It's going to help build a lot more muscle, but again, lean muscle in that time period. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with you, Jake. That's a great way to put it. And to be honest, like, you know, for me, that's not my favorite way of training, but I do push myself to do that type of training because I know that's what's going to facilitate the change, right? Is is pushing and like heavy weight that you can handle. Um, but that's really the key. It, ha- it has to be a challenge. You know, the, those last couple reps have to be a challenge. And then that's why you have the adequate rest time in between. Another thing that I try to um, bring up with my clients is um, that mind to muscle connection as well. So you're not just like throwing weights around. You really do, even if it's compound or single joint, really making sure that you're feeling the contraction in the muscle and you know what muscles that you're working and you're really thinking about it when you're executing the movement can make a a huge um, deal. And then also um, warming up beforehand or we even call them like activation 
exercises, especially let's, you know, favorite topic of most females is the glute muscle, right? So really making sure that those muscles are firing and it's not other muscles that are uh, taking over um, can really make a difference as well. I did want to bring it back to, I think that this is a good point and Lauren skimmed over it earlier, but just like the progressive overload. It's so amazing to me. It's always so interesting when you think about how quickly your body adapts to things and becomes used to it. And a lot of times people get stuck in the same routine and doing the same workout, especially at home when you only have, you know, your 15 pound dumbbells, you have to find a different way to do that overloading. Mm -hmm. And I kind of want to point you out here, Raven. And uh, we were talking with your client the other day, and you had her order a 45-pound kettlebell. And when she went to get it from the door, she was like, oh, my God, she, she's she got to be out of her mind. Like, there's no way. And after, like, just a couple weeks, couple months of training, she's, she's deadlifting that weight, she's squatting that weight, and it's almost time for her to progress again. So it's it's crazy, something that might seem very drastic in the beginning becomes very easy to accomplish with the proper training. So it's also a big mental piece. If you can win little battles like that, I know I've worked with clients before in the past um, where she wanted to learn how to do a pull-up properly and she wasn't able to do one. And then by the time we were done training, uh, after a year or so, she was able to do six pull-ups all on her own, completely body weight, where she was getting about 40 to 45 pounds of uh, assistance helping her up on that pull-up. So if you can set little uh, accomplishment goals throughout that process to get to a certain weight or get to a certain goal, it really helps you mentally as well. I think that's a great point. One of my clients also just emailed me and he's been doing the YouTube videos. So side plug. And he said that there's one he used to find really challenging and he did it today. And he's like, you know, it feels like an accomplishment to do a video I used to think was challenging with ease. So, you know, like you do eventually feel those results. And maybe I sometimes feel like I feel them more than I see them. So it's a good way to to stay motivated. Yeah, and a good way to gauge that you then need to progress it even more, right, is like find and find more, like you guys both mentioned or everybody mentioned, finding ways to overload yourself in other ways, especially if you don't have a ton of weights, right? One question that I did want to bring up was, uh, you know, it's pretty obvious uh, from our conversation today that you need strength training in order to build the muscle, Right. However, how would you guys say that conditioning or any sort of cardio plays into these types of goals, if at all? Yeah, I'll I'll hop in there. I think this is a pretty bad stigma, uh, especially like with a lot of my friends or uh, amateur bodybuilders. They'll they'll go into like a hypertrophy phase where they're like, I'm just going to gain a ton of mass. I'm going to get big. And they're like, cardio, I'm not going to do any cardio because that's going to uh, it's gonna burn more calories and it's gonna affect my results. Uh, bulk season, right? (laughs) Yeah. Strictly bulking. No, it doesn't work like that. You still need some type of cardiorespiratory endurance. You need to challenge your heart, especially if you're going through a little bit of a hypertrophy program where 
it might be more stationary and uh, strictly lifting in certain muscle groups, like doing an all-pull day, an all-push day, legs specifically, you still want to challenge your heart and get that type of cardio uh, in order to like protect you and keep you healthy. And it's not going to take away from those hypertrophy goals. I can promise you guys that. It's interesting, too, that you brought up different splits, Jake. Like for someone who's training for hypertrophy, would you recommend that they do a certain type of split? Yeah, you hear about the the typical uh, dude split. You might uh, like <laughs> the dude split. The dude split, the bro split, which is you know you got chest on Monday. You're gonna hit that bench on Monday, and it just goes down the line. You <laughs> you skip leg day, and then you do arm day on Friday. It's it's so bad. So you kind of heard like a more advanced split, uh, and like I would say functional split is to do an entire like muscle group uh, of like an action. So like I said, a pull day. So primarily you're going to be like working your back, your uh, like biceps, stuff like that. So that might be your back and bicep day, but it can be very functional the way we do it. And uh, yeah, I I would definitely, I would probably argue that you want to try and find uh, that, that super compensation loop where you have enough rest in between days. That's the biggest thing. So it doesn't really matter what split you, you have as long as you're getting adequate rest for the muscle groups. And with that being said, if you train legs specifically, they technically take the most to recover. It's 48 hours, 48 to 72 hours, depending on what you do. So you're going to need to train them probably more along the lines of three days later as opposed to like two days later. I think it's funny that you bring up that guys skip leg day and then I feel like it's the opposite for females. Like leg day is like my favorite day and I find that true with a lot of females and it just makes me always think back to because for me you know I can lift a lot more weight in my lower body than my upper body so it feels more of like an accomplishment and whenever I would study for a test, I'd always just love to study the information I already knew, like over and over. And I wouldn't want to do the stuff I wasn't as good at. So I don't know what it is for guys, but that's how I feel personally. Well, it is true. Like we do like, I think I read an article too, like just where we hold our like center of gravity or our mass is different, right? Uh, female to male. So we are like a little bit stronger, you know, so to speak, in our legs and our hips because that's kind of where we hold our, our center of mass, whereas men, it's a little bit more um, and through their upper body and shoulders, and they don't have, they don't tend to have as much of the hips, right? Um, so, but yeah, it is, a, it is, it is also, they're the biggest muscles in your body, so it hurts, <laughs> right? So, that's the other thing. And you need them for so many things to, to walk and get up. And so, uh, you know, you've seen how many memes of uh, leg day than in the next couple of days. Right. And, oh, that is another thing. I want to mention that soreness is normal. I've had so many clients me come to me thinking that it's, it's not okay. And it, it's, it's part of the process, right? Like because of those micro tears are happening and you're rebuilding, um, you, you are going to experience soreness from time to time. You're changing the stimulus and your body's responding. So it's, it's not, you're going to be okay. You're going to get over it and right in a few, like 72 hours or, or so. 
Yeah, those are some great points, you guys. And I think you're so right in that, you know, between male and female and just different body types, different people, we all kind of have our favorite spots or experience it differently, which brings up a more fun question that I was thinking of is when you guys are training for hypertrophy, where do you notice it show up the quickest? Do you have any spot where you're like, oh, yeah, I can definitely tell like I'm building some muscle here. Yeah, I, I was going to hop in there when Raven was like, typically girls, leg day is their favorite. And uh, back when I was like going through and learning uh, this, uh, the step by step, I found that I actually grew hypertrophy in my legs the easiest because, again, they're the most powerful muscles in our body. And I, you can like look down at them, you can see the visual differences. So I saw my quads blow up and I, I'm a big fan of leg day. So if I'm on team girls, let's, let's do it. Team girls all the way. <laughs> Love it. I think that's true though. Well, that's what you're looking at all day. When you're sitting down, you're just looking at your leg. So it's just easy to notice it. Whereas like, you're not like, I can't look at my back. So I guess I'd have to take photos. You, here. <laughs> you think you're building strength in your legs the most because you just see them the most. <laughs> I just like notice them. <laughs> oh, Raven. <laughs> what do you think, Lauren? What would you say is yours? Yeah, that's a that's a really good question. I don't know. Um, I would say I noticed where I'm not gaining it the most, and that's where it gets frustrating is, is glutes, right? Because you want those changes to happen. Um, but yeah, I guess that means it would be like legs uh, for me as well. And But yeah, I think maybe I'm also, you know, super zoomed in on what I'm trying to grow, and that's usually shoulders and um, glutes, and, and it can be a struggle sometimes. So that's where I'm looking. But, yeah, I would say the easiest would probably be quads for sure. Yeah. Now, I want to point out one of your points earlier is the whole genes thing. Like, and it does come down to person to person. So uh, it's definitely not impossible to grow certain target areas. But overall, in general, with strength training and resistance training along the lines of hypertrophy, we're going to grow muscle overall. And that comes with the compound movements. And you might grow muscle more in one area than you do in other areas. And that's completely okay. Because as long as you stay consistent with the process, you'll be able to uh, see results overall and in your specific areas too. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. So that's the other thing is, Try not to compare yourself to others because that's just a dead end, right? Like how someone else's uh, might see progress could be completely different than yourself. So yeah, just try to focus on your own progress and, you know, and be patient and stick with the process, right? And, yeah. And you, you never know their certain routine or how long they've been training or even their athletic career that might have shaped their body to a certain way. So you might just think it's because of one workout. No, it's everything that's kind of led up to this point. So I really like that point and to try and stop comparing. I know magazines and TV make that very hard. There's like a specific image of how you think you should look. And it's good to break away from that because it's important to just feel healthy and be happy with your own body.
This always makes me think of too. I feel like everyone had a kid when they were younger who just like had a six pack and he was just at your pool or like a girl even. And you're like, dang, what does he do? And people do this all the time. They'll see um, some sort of influencer who has a really nice six pack and that's what people want. And so she gives them their, her ab workout and people think, oh, if I do this same workout that she does, you know, I'm going to have her body and it doesn't work like that. Like you guys have said. That's an amazing point, Raven. Like the abs is a huge thing for people. And you know what? Like because of genes, some people just visibly cannot have the same type of abs. Like we, you know, it just, the visibility doesn't show up. They have to get into that. And the other thing to bring up is body fat percentage, right? We all have the muscles, but it's, are they visible, right? So um, that's the other thing is uh, some people need to get down to a, a low body fat percentage that might not necessarily even be healthy. So don't get too discouraged there as well because, yeah, again, genes plays a huge role into it too. Especially women, since naturally we are supposed to have a higher percentage of body fat. Like Lauren said, it can be dangerous and just not good for our bodies to go to that lower percentage. Yeah, sorry, Jake, but I'm going to say it. We, you can lose your <laughs> menstrual cycle, and if like some things like that is happening, that's a response from your body that's not it's not healthy. Like there's a certain yeah body fat percentage that you just require to for those re- reproductive organs and things, and they take up space in your lower abdomen. Okay, ladies, like it's okay. <laughs> so. And something to point out, too, is a lot of times I'll work with clients and they're like, I don't get it. My boyfriend or my husband, they make a change and they lose the weight so quick. And again, a lot of times it's the differences between gender and it might be harder for him to maintain it off. But uh, it it does just come down to differences in gender. And uh, again, just try not to compare to different people, different genders and just follow your own path. This has been such a great conversation, you guys, because I feel like we learned a lot, but also it was very uplifting. (laughs) So Lauren, thank you so much for joining us. I feel like you guys just shared such a huge wealth of knowledge uh, for our listeners. And again, guys, we can't possibly cover everything that goes into these specific goals and adaptations that you're trying to make in a single podcast unless you want to listen to us talk for hours and hours on end but But honestly just reach out to a coach reach out to live well fitness because we that's what we're here for is to help you with those things that's why you know we have the specialty certifications and why all of our staff you know, has this extra knowledge is so that we can help people achieve these goals and they don't have to try and, you know, find those results by Google searching on the internet, right? So thank you so much, Lauren. Well, thanks for having me, guys. It was so great to talk with you guys as usual. Um, You know, I think it's a, these are topics that we're all passionate about. So it's great fun for us. So yeah, reach out to your coach if you want to learn more. Thank you. Yeah, thank you.